Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog. This is episode number 76 for October 13th, 2009. And today I'm very honored to have Dr. David Jakes, a skilled surgical oncologist and VP of Surgical Services at Barnes Jewish Hospital. He received his medical degree at the University of Michigan, which was followed by a distinguished career in the U.S. Army Medical Corps, in which he served as a combat surgeon in the Persian Gulf War and was later chief of surgery at Walter Reed Army Medical Center as an oncologist. He served as a senior medical officer during Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and honors during Dr. Jake's time in the U.S. Army included the Legion of Merit, the Bronze Star Medal, and the Army Commendation Medal. And then he then retired as a colonel in 1998, joining Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. So in our discussion today, Dr. Jakes will talk about lean improvements that he has led uh, at Barnes-Jewish, as well as a, a very innovative and unique, um, what he calls a 6-3 approach to Kaizen events that's designed to get uh, busy physicians participating in uh, tightly scoped um, Kaizen improvement activities. So this may be the first that you're hearing about this. Uh, very innovative, unique work, and I'm glad he's sharing it with us. As always, thanks for listening to the podcast. So again, our guest today here on the podcast is Dr. David Jakes. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks, Mark. So I was wondering if you could start off, uh, as I like to ask a lot of my guests, uh, what was your initial introduction to lean? I think you know this is always a particularly interesting question for um for physicians, people in the medical community, um, how did you first learn about lean and, and get started? I think it was helpful to have no other strong management system. Uh, I made a career transition of sorts about three years ago uh, when I arrived at Barnes Jewish Hospital and uh, had held a number of other leadership positions in the past, but now for the first time was getting really operational. And that coincided with the desire at the level of our chief operating officer to travel down the uh, the lean pathway. So uh, we were kind of lead dogs, and uh, I had been impressed that over the years there were lots and lots of ways to not get things accomplished, and I'd tried them all. And this one seemed to yield results right away. And that started uh, our uh, engraftment with these ideas. And where did the decision come from of, of letting you be the lead dog? I mean, was it the first effort for the hospital to start in the surgical services operating room area? Were you sort of pulling and, and volunteering to be part of that? Yeah, so this was a part of a rather comprehensive relook at one of the most critical areas in any hospital, but one which needed significant change in our hospital. We're pushing through about 37,000 operations uh, off a platform of nearly 60 operating rooms and uh, tying up uh, a good portion of our hospital admissions through this process and all the rest. Uh, the systems were sufficiently uh, in need of assistance that new leadership was identified, heavy investment in the physical uh, plant as well as the information system uh, supporting this, and the natural go-along was process improvement, and the philosophy was uh, clean up the processes and then move to the IT piece, and that was scheduled kind of a year down, so this was what was next. Yeah, that, that's a 
good general lean principle of focusing first on the processes and the way the work is done and then using uh, technology. Uh, so that's good to hear that that was the approach. Uh, now, I know one of the areas you focused uh, focused on early on was uh, the mass transfusion protocol. So I was wondering if you could describe uh, you know, what some of the starting point, what the problem statement was, why, why you chose to work on that, and uh, what what types of improvements um, you were able to put in place there? Yeah, so on a three-year journey, Mark, this was actually about year one and a half. And I don't think we would have been clever enough to have done massive transfusion protocol in the way that we did it a year and a half, a year and a half into our learning about lean. We started in the fairly typical way of doing lots of events. And uh, we were excited by the events, but they were four and a half days of investment. And we characteristically went to places where the focus of our attention was on the things and not the people because it was easier to get the things to do what we needed them to do rather than the people. And so we were uh, all across this huge platform doing lots of events at a pace of about two a month. Uh, each one of our directors would take one uh, major event per month, but it was insufficiently focused and we couldn't get our physicians to do much more than visit on two set piece occasions, one hour each during the course of the four and a half days. So we're missing a critical voice of the customer. That led us to this evolution of a way of doing lean with its own, with the same exact principles, but in a much, much tighter time schedule confined around a tight but burning question. And in our organization, we're a level one trauma center uh, taking care of very significant injured patients on a routine basis. We're also a very large transplant center. The combination of those two require that you have the ability to transfuse patients with large quantities of blood very rapidly and for a long period of time, much longer than you would characteristically need to do, stretching on into the two, two and a half hour time frame of requiring up to 60 plus units of blood where the characteristic patient needs none and many patients need one or two. This was a call for how would a system gear up to be able to sustain performance for a full two and a half hours. And uh, it led us to uh, the massive transfusion protocol, which got conducted uh, on our 6-3, as we call it, uh, using that methodology. And it says that the same people will stay with the problem for six straight hours, each hour having a series of important steps punctuated by good, clean measurement, voice of customer, and all the rest. Uh, and then we would take a pause for several days, come to understand where we were going a little bit better, and then come back, that exact same group, and sit down for another three, knowing that if we've properly scoped the problem, that we will leave behind our standard work and the plan uh, and sort of close this problem down at least at the creation phase, and then go into a consistent measurement and sustainment phase to make sure that it was the right thing. So um, this was a great example of this 
process working because in the same room for six straight hours sat the critical blood bank pathologist, several of the um, trauma surgeons, a number of the trauma nurses, OR nurses. We got the right people and they stuck with the problem. And I characterize that or contrast that with the typical committee work where different people come for one hour a few month for what feels like an eternity and have no product. This, through the 6-3 process, enrolled the first patient in massive transfusion protocol approximately one month after the beginning of this has now sustained itself with careful introspection of every single case to refine the process for a period of 18 months, has been applied to 70 patients, and without doubt saved three human lives this way, but had huge impact on all that, uh, that were a part of the protocol. This was a clear winner and gave us the enthusiasm uh, to use this same process of 6-3 for many of our physician engagements. Mm -hmm. and, and so I want to make sure the, uh, the difference is clear for listeners. Instead of a, a, a typical Kaizen event or rapid improvement event that would take place, like you said, for four, four and a half days straight in a single week, the 6-3 process, six-hour chunks of time, that occurs over what time frame? literally during the course of a day. So it's designed to be six hours in respect of the fact that you need to do something every day. And so you've got another two or three hours to get your, so to speak, day work done. Uh, and then on the second occasion, three hours, again, as a straight uh, three hours. It, it's actually easier to get physician times in chunks than it is to get these one-hour things periodically, and particularly when everybody sees who's in the room and the professionalism with which it's, uh, with which it's done and the structure around it, they really believe in it. We provide very strong data support during it uh, and try to scope it real tightly so that people understand that there is a chance that we'll actually have product at the end of the nine hours. Yeah, and, and so what's the usual time that elapses between the first six-hour period and then the three-hour? When I originally designed it, I thought we needed at least two or three days, and being relatively impatient as a surgeon, I thought we would conduct these on a Tuesday and a Friday always, it doesn't actually work that way. Uh, it's it's more common that it if people have time on Tuesdays, they'll come back the following Tuesday. So it seems like we've got nearly a week in between. But in fact, you kind of need that uh, because there is a lot of validation that goes on. In fact, when the stakes are high, some of that validation is internally. Do we really think that we're willing to support this? So, you know, I'm the spokesman for trauma surgery, says the surgeon, but I've got to make sure my partners are going to buy into this. And so that, that gives them a, a period of time to truly work through some of those. So we try to come out of the six with a pretty decent draft of where we're going uh, and then uh, use that refinement portion uh, during the last uh, piece of it, looking at validation and really going back to that standard work to see that we got every comma right, that we really believe in each one of the steps. And so it sounds like for if, if you get those key people all in the room, let's say for that first six hour time frame, that you've got to, it sounds like you've got to use your time wisely, that this, this, this period's got to be fairly well planned out in terms of 
both preparation, when you talk about data, um, having a, a clear plan so that you don't have lulls where people might get bored or, or backed out, uh, back out of the session. I mean, I, I'm curious the, the process you went through to plan out exactly what to do in those, those six hours or, or how that process for the first six-hour session has maybe evolved over time from, from what you've learned. So literally every one of the hours has a set of goals, and <clears throat> I'll give you an example. Uh, during step one, the first hour roughly, <clears throat> we try to refine and define the problem, and we go through that brainstorming portion, and if there's something that needs to be observed, we complete that observation, and we really validate the pre-work. That's always supported by good measurement, and we're trying during that period of time to really gather that little uh, voice of customer story. Uh, and that would be an example of what step one looks like, and each one of the hours has that same sort of, okay, we need to define the problem, clarify the problem, identify the root cause, clarify the root cause, identify the action, clarify the action. So that's kind of the theme of each one of the first six hours, and well facilitated by somebody who knows lean principles, mm -hmm. it just uh, it keeps people right on track. And are, are you at a stage where, um, and you don't have to name names if you want to, are you, still, are you using an outside lean consultant? Do you have at this point internal resources that are, that are playing that facilitator lean expert role? We've handled this within, uh, and uh, we were at a point a year and a half into our journey where we thought we could facilitate. We knew we weren't uh, wise enough to do all the things required of lean, but we knew that we understood many of the principles. And I think um, uh, I, hopefully we're getting smarter each and every day. Uh, and on this one, I think we got out of the barrel, out of the uh, blocks with enough of a success that it got us back to doing it more and more. And uh, we now have real standard work around and sort of posters and drawing boards that we use to take us through each one of these steps. And uh, it's what's really helped us a lot. One other thing I'd, I'd like to go back and touch on, um, you, you talked about a, a couple of, I think, key themes. You know, the first is standardized work, and then the, you also mentioned sustaining the process. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how uh, the time spent in the 6-3 process um, helps, A, you know, get agreement on a standardized work process, um, you know, B, how you set up for um, who's overseeing that process or making sure that it's being followed or sustained. And then finally, you know, is there a process put in place where somebody has an idea uh, for Kaizen or for in improving that process? Um, how, how do you facilitate that outside of um, the formal workshop? So we were trying to rely on an example that everybody was familiar with and knew was helpful. So in most hospitals, there is a detailed debriefing after every code, and it's felt that it's sufficiently chaotic during the attempted resuscitation of a patient that you'd like to think back on it in uh, relatively contemporaneous time and say, what we do right, what we do wrong. Building on that known way of behaving that physicians feel is important, we imported that into the way in which we would debrief every one of our massive transfusion protocol patients. So because it has a discrete 
message that we've started and stopped the MTP, we're able to uh, aggregate information from blood bank and from the users, and then we do literally debrief each one of those. So of those 70, I can't tell you for sure that we've debriefed every one of the 70, but definitely in the early going for the first 25 plus, we were, we were never missing. And that allowed us to really refine the standard work. We said we would send this red top tube labeled this way but it doesn't work under this circumstance. Can we put in the proviso for how we deal with somebody who is, doesn't have a name when they arrive because of a gunshot wound to the chest? How do we deal with that uh, problem? So you know, just a series of purposeful refinements, looking at every single one of them. And it had clear ownership uh, and leadership from uh, one of our really inspired leaders who uh, watches after the whole uh, trauma group, Julie Nash, and uh, that was the way that this got, got accomplished. Our trauma surgeons bought in right away. They wanted it. This was a compelling, strong platform for it. That's great. And uh, final question for you, uh, you know, talking about this 6-3 structure uh, you know, as an alternative to the week-long event. Uh, is this something that is now uh, in, in your arsenal, if you will, as, you know, here's an approach that we'll use for certain types of problems. We'll still use rapid improvement events in, in other circumstances. Um, how, how does that fit into the balance of what Barnes-Jewish Hospital is doing more generally with lean? Yes, so I'm going to speak to perioperative services where we've uh, spent most of the time with the 6-3. Uh, it is one of our several, but I have to say it's a preferred tool. But it can only be used if the question can be tightly scoped. But as we kind of like that tight scope question anyway, we're looking for ways to make the 6-3 work as opposed to sort of taking a relatively sloppy start-stop story that we're trying to refine and say, look, if we can really divide this up in narrowly enough, then we can do what we know works nicely at the 6-3. So that's a, a slight change in, in the way you think about the, the size of a problem. Yeah. And, uh, okay, and truly final last question, um, has there been uh, any effort to communicate or help spread um, the 6-3 methodology to other hospitals? Or if, if there's people listening and they're interested in, in learning more, do you have any resources or you could point people to or what would you suggest for um, learning if, if, if they want to try this themselves? So I have occasion to be in several hospitals for various reasons, speaking on other issues, being a typical academic surgeon, and this often comes up as our way of improving. But as far as have we put anything out there for people to see, uh, mostly it's this, Mark. Okay. You can be the first. You're out there, yeah. man. Okay. Well, uh, maybe in the future we can look to uh, some, some papers or publications or um, we can do other discussions or try to help spread that message because it sounds like an interesting approach. I know that's a very uh, important challenge of, of how can you get physicians, surgeons um, uh, to, to commit time to a project. So it's great to hear that you're um, trying some new things and it sounds like having some great success with this methodology. So I thank you for taking time and, uh, and sharing that with us today. You bet. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org.
If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.